welcome to the 14th edition of HGF's Fashionably IP podcast, How Time Does Fly. We started these podcasts last May and we are now in our second British summer of podcasting. We have and hopefully you have learned a few things along the way. My name's Rebecca Field. I'm a chartered trademark attorney at IP law firm HGF and I'm joined by my colleague Lee Curtis who's also a chartered trademark attorney here at HGF. Hello. As you know, the Fashionably IP podcast has been developed from the success of the Fashion and IP LinkedIn group, which is run by us and now has approaching 14,000 members, including many of the leading IP council from across the world, both in-house and in private practice. This podcast series finds inspiration from the subjects commented on in that group. If you're not a member, please find it amongst the groups on LinkedIn and simply apply to join Fashion and IP. To be clear, this podcast is not legal advice, and if you have any queries on the points we have raised, please do contact us directly at either rfield at hgf.com or lee at alcurtis at hgf.com. Now, this podcast is the second in a series of three podcasts on key aspects of trademark law in the UK and EU, but of course, with a fashion spin. Our first podcast in this series of podcasts was on the subject of goodwill and we had our guest speaker, Michael Edenborough KC. And if you want to listen to that podcast again, or maybe for the first time, please just find it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We will tell you what this podcast is on a little bit later. However, we thought we'd firstly tell you a little bit about HGF once again. As we always say, please don't get bored if you've heard this bit before. It's going to be over soon. So HGF, well, HGF is one of the leading IP firms in Europe. We have offices across the United Kingdom, the Republic of Ireland, the Netherlands, France, Germany, Austria and Switzerland. Indeed, we've recently moved offices in Dublin and opened a new office in Belfast earlier in the year. We manage the IP portfolios of many of the world's leading companies and can do all things IP, whether that is clearing your IP registering your IP, or indeed enforcing your IP. Now back to Rebecca and fashion branding. Thanks, Lee. So in this 14th podcast, we're going to talk about two aspects of trademark law, which often come up in connection with fashion. Our first subject is on whether the use of a sign can be considered simply decorative and not trademark use in the world of fashion. And secondly, who is the average consumer when considering trademark infringement proceedings in the UK? So, why is decorative or ornamental use an issue in the world of fashion and trademarks, Lee? Well, decorative or ornamental use of trademarks comes up in two key ways in the field of fashion. Firstly, words, logos and indeed pictures or photos often appear on the front of clothing or headgear. There is always a question whether consumers would perceive the use of such signs as brands or merely decorative. So, for example, would the picture of a well-known pop star on the front of a T-shirt be seen merely as decorative or would it be seen as a brand? Secondly, there is a question of whether elements of fashion design such as a stud, a geometric figure or a pocket design can act as trademarks or, again, whether they would simply be seen as decorative. So how have the courts assessed such usage, Lee? Well, it is often the case, uh, as it is often the case with trademark law, it depends and it is very much dependent on the facts and the context of the use. 
Although I've been practicing trademark law now for nearly 30 years, there is an important case on this question, which indeed even predates when I started in the profession, and that is the Unidor Limited versus Marks and Spencer's PLC case, which dates back to 1988. The plaintiffs in that case had taken no steps to acquaint the purchasing public with the fact that the term coast to coast, which appeared on the front of a t-shirt, was a trademark of theirs. They supplied their goods to various types of stores, but put no label to indicate that the words on the garment was their trademark, even if they indicated that they supplied the goods. So here such use was deemed merely decorative or ornamental, and thus not trademark use. However, that case was decided under Trademarks Act 1938, an act which was uh, replaced and repealed on the 31st of October 1994. I think now it is probably unlikely that that case would be decided in the same way. The defendants in the well-known Arsenal versus Reed case failed in the argument that their use of Arsenal on football scarves would be seen as a badge of allegiance to the football club and not trademark use. Essentially, a sign is deemed to be trademark use, or its use of the sign is deemed to be trademark use, if it affects the so-called essential function of a trademark to act as a badge of trade origin. Although the decorative defence is still open to defendants in such cases, I think this defence is much harder to run than in the past, and indeed under the old Trademarks Act 1938. I mentioned the photo of a pop star on the T-shirt above or earlier in this discussion, and this was referenced to the Robin Rihanna Fenty versus Arcadia Group Brands Limited case, uh, who were trading as Topshop in the United Kingdom, where Rihanna was successful in preventing the use of her image on the front of a piece of clothing. Here, Rihanna was found to have goodwill in her image, as she was already involved in licensing and merchandising, and that consumers would presume that a piece of clothing with her image was authorised by by her, effectively that the image was acting as a trademark. That case was a passing off case which protected goodwill and we indeed discussed goodwill in our last uh, podcast with Michael Edenbrand. And what about elements of fashion design? Can they act as trademarks, Lee, or are they viewed as purely decorative? Well, to a degree, we discussed this issue in episode five of this podcast series when we discussed the use of trademark rights to protect elements of fashion design. Uh, in short, although it is possible uh, to protect such elements, it tends to be very hard. Uh, for example, a stud or a pocket uh, under trademark rights. The courts, although claiming that all trademarks are equal under the law, hold that non-conventional signs are harder for the public to view as badges of trade origin. A stud or a series of studs on a piece of clothing, for example, tends to be subsumed within the product itself. It's hard for the consumer to view them uh, as trade differentiators. So we're going to now turn, as they say in TV shows, uh, Rebecca, to something completely different. Thanks, Lee. Yes, I'm going to talk about the so-called average consumer under UK and EU trademark law. The average consumer under UK and EU trademark law is essentially a legal construct There is not, in a sense, a real living person in any case who is the average person. The average consumer cannot be determined based on a mathematical calculation. Also, generally, the courts do not like consumer surveys or expert evidence on who is the average consumer in any case. There will be occasions where such evidence will be welcomed and 
provide guidance in accordance with established rules of court procedure and rules on evidence. However, it means that the court retains the freedom to determine the matter for itself and do what it considers right in that particular case. What is clear from the case law is that the average consumer is a reasonably well-informed and reasonably observant and circumspect person. Submissions can be made on the amount deliberated around the average consumer, how much they might spend on the purchase of a product, what might be influenced by the price points and the trade channels. Interesting submissions can also often be made with regards luxury fashion products. But generally, the average consumer for fashion products would be deemed as members of the general public at large. It should be remembered that the case will be considered through the eyes of that average consumer. So, for example, there will be consideration of phonetic, conceptual and visual comparisons of trademarks through their eyes. So, Rebecca, are there any takeaways from our discussions today? Well, arguments over whether a sign for example, a word, logo or photo is merely being used in a decorative sense, can be made by a defendant in any trademark or passing off action. But such arguments are probably now much harder to successfully make than maybe 30 years ago in the UK. Elements of fashion design generally, however, are hard to protect under trademark law and generally would be seen as purely decorative than being used in a trademark sense. However, as made clear in the fifth episode of this podcast series, the protection of design elements of fashion design is not impossible under trademark law. Finally, I come to the concept of the average consumer, which I just spoke about in UK trademark cases. It should be remembered that who the average consumer is will frame a trademark infringement case. We hope that you've enjoyed our 14th Fashionably IP podcast. Our more will follow in the months to come. Please do feel free to share this podcast and also rate it on the various platforms. Also, please do feel free, if you've not already done so, to go back and listen to all of our previous podcasts. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.